Help I Got a Mac podcast episode number 93. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Help I Got a Mac. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. And I'm Chris Biding. And today we're here to share with you all that is Apple. That could yes. that could be talking about your Macintosh, your yes. your Apple TV that you're trying to sell, your iPhone. Sold? Sold? Yes. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk anything Apple, and uh, that's what we're here for anyway. So what do you mean it's sold? Who bought it? Uh, How did you sell it? Uh, I sold it on Craigslist, the greatest website ever. And uh, it was someone actually down the street from me in, in a town called Wyoming. And a town and, uh, Wyoming, yeah. Ohio. Yeah, and they uh, they said they were interested in it, and I went down there on Saturday and gave it to them, and they've been happy, and they emailed me and said it works great, and they love it. Excellent. For at least, what, six months? And then it'll be on Craigslist again. <laughs> exactly. It's going to be passed <laughs> around. So, yeah, so uh, I sold it. So that's good. Very, very cool. You know, have you, there's the joy of tech. Um, have you ever watched or looked at that comic before? Yeah, yeah. Joyatech.com. Right? Yeah, joyatech.com. I believe it is what it is. And they had something on there about Steve Jobs and and it was all the, the myths about Apple. And one of them was related to um, regardless of uh, rumors, it, it you know the Mac or the Apple TV is not just a hobby and blah blah blah. <laughs> it was really funny. Anyway, it's a, go ahead. It, it it's a hobby. It's a hobby. <laughs> it's just something they're playing around with. All yep. right, let, let's talk about some big stuff here. You you got some news, I believe, that you wanted to share as far as it comes to um, Apple, as far as allowing things on our AT&T phones now. Yeah, Apple's given uh, AT&T's given Apple the, the go ahead to enable voice over IP apps like Skype and Vonage and stuff on its 3G network. In the past it was required to have a uh, Wi-Fi connection and Apple released a statement um, but declined whether it would approve Google Voice, but uh, in this statement it said Apple's very happy that AT&T now supports voice voice over internet applications as company spokesperson said on Tuesday. We are amending our developer agreements and we'll get voice applications into the app store and in customers' hands as soon as possible. And Skype also released a statement, which I don't have in my notes here, but they pretty much said, okay, we'll be updating the app to work over 3G as soon as possible. Which shouldn't take too long. I think it'd be just taking out a little bit of code. Yeah, it's got to be just like a little bit to flip and you're good to go. So we'll probably see that in in a week. Uh, Apple process for approval, I'd say closer to a month. (laughs) Good point. Good point. <laughs> Although uh, that is pretty exciting. Now, from what I heard, that this came, you know, pretty much as a direct response to the fact that Verizon has had just announced something similar that they were going to start allowing voice over IP for Vonage and other services. And, ah, and, really? And also, they were going to allow the Google Voice on the uh, the Android and and all this other stuff. And that and that Verizon is having a very healthy uh, view of you know seeing their phone services being a, a, you know basically being an internet service provider in a way. Yeah, I mean let's let's be honest. To me, AT and T, Verizon, Sprint, all of them, including the cable company and the telephone company, to me 
are just dumb, big, fat internet pipes. Yep. That's it. That's all I ever want to think of them as. Don't try to sell me other services. Don't try to nickel and dime me to death. Just give me a nice, reliable, fat pipe to the internet to do whatever I want with, and I'll give you money for it. Well, I will say, though, is that I'm not ter- – now, you and I both love Skype a lot for yeah. do- for what we're doing here. Yeah, obviously, Skype is, is great. I mean, we sound way better than any phone call would ever sound. That's exactly correct. However, if I were talking to you via Skype over my 3G network and, heaven forbid, my Edge network, it would be awful. It, it is awful. Yeah, it would be definitely be lower quality, and it would probably skip out, and you'd do robot sounds and stuff. Yeah, so I just want to say it, it, it. This this announcement, while I think it is great for, um, I think what the future will hold because eventually we will have faster connection speeds via, um, our cellular carriers. You know, with the next four G and five G and six G networks. You know, event. Yeah, there's yeah. Eventually, we'll have broadband internet available to us ubiquitously over the cell networks that far exceeds our cable access or DSL access that we have today. And so the, yeah. the, knowing that that's coming in the future, I really, really like about, I really like the fact that they're allowing these kind of things, you know, they're, they're, they're setting the foot or groundwork for the future. It's a step in the right direction. I'll put it that much. So we don't have anything negative to say about AT&T on that front. No, just, Wish Apple would let Google Voice in. That's all. That's all we want, my friends. We want Google Voice, and we want it now. <laughs> That's the only reason I have my phone jailbroken. Nice. What are you using on your jailbroken phone for Google Voice? Uh, GV Mobile. Okay. So, and and how's that working for you? Works great. Uh, that with uh, G Push, which I'm still using because G Push is awesome. Yeah. Uh, I get it's it's just like having SMS. Like someone can send me an SMS message and I get it right away now. Yeah. Hey, can I give you a little update? Remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking about all the different applications that allow us to push notifications to our phone. I think Steven in the chat room at the time had told us about a, an app called Notifications. And you were talking about G Push and we were talking about Boxcar. And so far I, I want to say that I like Boxcar the most. And the only thing I don't like is that you have to add a dollar for each little time. It's like just charge me 10 bucks or something and give me all that functionality. Because I'd like to do more than just one or two different searches. Anyway, I just want to give you an update. I, I waited so, I was so desperate to have these push notifications. And do you know, I went in and I turned off every single push notification on my phone. Really? Yep. Because, I love it, man. Oh, no, I, it's, it's not a question of whether I love it or not. But I... I just found myself, I'm sitting here working throughout the day. I got a ton of stuff. I mean, God has really been blessing this business. So, you know, I, I've I've just been really book solid with work from t- the time I get in here until the time I'm ready to fall over. And, uh, and basically every single time my phone would ding, I pick up my phone and I look at it. And that may seem extremely insignificant to think, you know, okay, so what's the big deal? You look at it and then you move forward. But but what it is, does is it distracts me from my mode of thought. I may have been really great at you know moving some momentum along, and I might find something that looks remotely interesting, and I might take you know a two minute break or a three minute break. But that three minute break sometimes takes fifteen to twenty five minutes to recover from. Yeah. And so I was just like, you know what? This is ridiculous. And then also I was using Boxcar. Uh, I, I, I decided I'm going to give this a shot. I wanted Boxcar to 
to you know give me a look at what's coming in on my emails as soon as they come in and it's like nope absolutely not never again um, I, I desperately do not want to know what's in my inbox. I want to wait until tomorrow morning at, you know, either 5 a.m. or 10 a.m. That's when I'm going to check to see what's in there. But after eight or nine o'clock at night, I am not looking at email. And yeah, see, I tried to do that, but I've, <clears throat> I've it's, it's burned me a couple times. Well, the, well, the thing is, is, I mean, and, and you know what it, by burn you, what do you, what do you mean by that? Like someone's emailed me asking me if I wanted to do a job and I missed the email and they've already gotten someone else. So so, it, so basically, you're right. And and that comes up. And of course, you know, with, with my clientele for buying audio equipment, you know, we have people in different time zones all over the world. But it's 8 o'clock, you know, it, it's, let's just say at, it's, it's 8 o'clock at night. I'm sitting down with my family watching a movie time or something like that. And then all of a sudden, there's this opportunity. It's like, hey, Cliff. You know, do you have time right now? I've, you know, I've been looking at package number, you know, five of your website, which is a thirteen hundred dollar sale. You know, it's like, and and I'm, you know, I'm really anxious to get this. And of course, I know that if I get them on the phone now, the 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 quicker that I can secure that order, the more likelihood that I'll convert that to a sale. Whereas if they say, oh, I'm really excited about this. And then all of a sudden they wait until the next day for me to respond that, you know, I could probably still convert it to a sale, but I, there's a, you know, there's a little bit of time where they've uh, I've been thinking about it and it's a lot of money. You know where I'm going with that? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, oh, to- I totally understand what you're saying, but let me explain to you what, what happens. And, and then of course for, and if, now you don't have children. So, uh, but, no. but Emily, I think might, might, th- you know, thinking about Emily, um, might be something that that is something that comes into play, but you know, I'm sitting there at eight o'clock at night, and all of a sudden, this email comes through and it says, "Hey, I'd like to place a thirteen hundred dollar order with you." I mean, my mind is no longer with my family; it's no longer with my wife. It is it is now on that email, and by golly, I'm going to come downstairs and I'm going to make that phone call and and uh, we're going to talk. And by the time I'm finished with that, I'm going to see, oh, well, here's this other email, and it's like. You know what? That's only a quick response. Let me do that. And the next thing I know, it's like eleven o'clock at night, and I'm like, "No, this is ridiculous." And and you know, obviously, some people would say, "Well, gosh, Cliff, you just need to be a little bit more disciplined." And when you see it, just drop it. You know, and and sure. And but yeah, I mean, when I see push notifications come in, if it's not anything business related or anything, I just look at it. And and the way G Push works, you see the 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 user, uh, or the you know the person who sent the message, and then the subject. And I look at it, and if it's nothing that pertains to me, I just sit the phone back down and, and keep going on my way. You know, it doesn't bother me that there's a something in my inbox. But if it's, you know, if I'm sitting down and my phone's near me and I hear it, I'll go look at it. If it's something, a, a, a lot with me, it's it's more, I can just pop off a quick a quick response, yes or no, or a quote, and then put it back down, and instantly it's I'm back to what I was doing before. So for me, it's a little different. I'm not trying to you know sell anybody on anything. You know, I'm not trying to like negotiate, you know, a package deal or anything with anybody. It's yes, no, here's the thing. It, it's over and done with in like the span of 30 seconds. Right, right. And and for me, you know, I'm getting 30, 40 emails a day and on, that's on average. And typically 25 of those are equipment sales related questions. Uh, see, those take a little bit more time. Those take a, a great deal more time. And of course, every every single time I can respond, you know, within three minutes of that call, that email coming in, 
it is like, wow, this guy's on top of things. He's answering my questions. I don't have to go search on the web for other places, you know, and, and to find answers. This, this guy is answering my questions. And so there, there's this compulsion on my end to do that. So in the chat room, some people are like, you know, is this a Mac show? This is very much a Mac show. But, the, you know, we're talking about using the iPhone here and push notifications, which I think is very Apple slash Mac related. And, uh, you know, this is something that I've, I've decided and I just want to give an update that, yeah, I'm turning those notifications off for now. I'm keeping them on. Very cool. <laughs> so the next, the, the next thing I want to talk about is that 12% of U.S. households own a Mac. That's huge. I know. A new ND, MPD report says that 12% of U.S. households now own a Mac of some kind. And uh, what's cool is just a year ago, uh, the same stat was at 9%. So Apple's made some nice jumps in the past 12 months. Um, those households, though, uh, a whopping 85% also own a Windows computer. In fact, 66% of those Apple households actually own three computers or more. So many more Apple owners own more than one computer. And of those, it's pretty darn likely that one of them is still a Windows PC, which is like what you have. And I, I've got more than one machine here. I've got Actually, I've got two Macs and a Windows laptop that I haven't turned on in probably five years. So, yeah, uh, you and I both kind of fit that mold in one way or the other. Yeah, we. I, I basically have two Macs. I have a Mac Mini, a MacBook. I have one, two, three, four, four PCs in the house. Yeah. So now uh, Richie is asking in our chat room how many people, how many households, uh, how many U.S. households own a PC or have a PC in the house? That I don't know. We don't know. If if you had to guess, what would you say? Knowing that twelve percent have a Mac, I would say seventy percent of the U.S. households. I'd say so. I'd say, I'd say right around there. Uh, I have a Mac. Says eighty-eight percent. Now I'm not sure if they're saying eighty-eight percent is the number they just found on the line, or if that's what they're guessing. But uh, I'd say I'd say it's somewhere between. I, I definitely don't think it's ninety percent because there there's still quite quite a divide. I think there's still quite a digital divide and technology divide in in uh, the lower income households, which there are there are many of them out there. So. Uh, so I've, heard, I've just read. I've just read seventy-seven point five million households have a computer. Right, and Richie says that Google says that eighty-one percent of the people in the U.S. have uh, PC in the home. Nice, very cool. And of course, uh, then the question becomes: you know, how many? You know, how many of those people? What's the percentage of those people who have broadband access? Because yeah. really, today, is it, in your opinion, does a computer mean much without broadband access anymore? No, I I had. When I, I used to live in, you know, I grew up in Kentucky, and the last house I had before I moved uh, to Ohio with Emily, um, I, I couldn't get broadband. Right. I was I was three quarters of a mile from where broadband stopped. I could see the pole that had broadband on it, like it was glowing at night, like oh, I couldn't get it. And so I had a dial up for a while, and I never used my computer. And and then I also had uh, for a while I had ISDN. Still never used my computer. So, yeah, to me, at least now, a computer is pretty much useless without broadband of some sort. Yeah. And I just want to say that that as long as the computer functions and, and moves in a relatively quick matter, manner, uh, it doesn't matter to me if it's a Mac or a PC these days because almost everything I do is in the browser. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. We're getting closer. It's kind of funny. 
in the 70s and 80, early 80s, well, early to mid 80s, uh, you would go into a building like a hospital or you know a place of business and you'd see all these little terminals everywhere. And they were just dumb terminals, just dumb computers, no hard drive or anything like that. They were all connected to a mainframe in the building that allowed people to have access to all sorts of stuff, right? Right. Essentially, they had their own little cloud. And it's funny, we've now moved kind of back into that model, except now instead of the big mainframe, uh, Google is our mainframe in the sky. Right. You know, the internet is the mainframe in the sky. So now we can get by with these really, really dumb computers that all they need is a browser, and that's it. Yep. And a connection to the, you know, a, a, a way to get the, the fat bits into your computer. Yeah, and, and of course, for me, the, the biggest advantage of having the Mac is right now... It still is a it's it's a safer desi- device to browse the to browse the web with when it comes to malware viruses and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and not to mention, I will say, and 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 I haven't said this in a long time. And and for those of you who have been lo- listening to a long time, and you know that I'm not a Mac fanboy, I just want to say that my mom's uh, went out and bought a MacBook Pro, uh, one of the smaller MacBook Pros, a couple months ago. She is doing things that. I would have never dreamed she could ever do. She has set up a wireless printer in her home. This this <laughs> is the same this is the same woman who still doesn't know how to you know attach a a photo to an email to send it to me. So um, yeah, it, the fact that she could buy a Mac, get it hooked up to her own wireless network, relatively easy easily without a phone call to me, and install and set up a wireless printer. I'm pretty impressed, and I can. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? I can guarantee you, she would not have been able to do any of that on her own had she had a PC. Yep. So. And what else is cool is you could you could set her up on iChat, and if she ever has a problem with the computer, like she has a question on how to do something, you can yep. do screen sharing and then control her screen. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool stuff. Okay, so tell me about this VMware. Okay, VMware allows you, for people who are switching from Windows to Mac, um, VMware allows you to run Windows on your Mac. And uh, the new version, Fusion 3, which comes out October 27th, 80 bucks, uh, is going to have a lot of improvements for Snow Leopard. Now you can use 64-bit Windows and all sorts of uh, DirectX 9 stuff, which basically means, translates to, if you're a gamer, and you want to use the Mac, obviously the, Mac, the Mac's never been known for having you know, the newest and greatest video games on their machines. I mean, let's be honest. If you're going to spend all this time and money to develop a, a game, you're going to hit the most people quickly by getting a Windows, you know, putting it on Windows. So now you can, you can run a lot of the games through VMware um, on your Mac. So that's pretty cool. Very, very cool. And what's this last thing you have on the no, on the news items here? Turn your flash into iPhone apps. Yeah, uh, as we know, uh, some of you may have heard Adobe uh, came out and was showing off uh, Flash 10.1 this week and announced that Flash is coming to all the mobile phones, Android, Palm Pre, BlackBerry, Symbian, you name it, everybody but the iPhone. Nice. Uh, but they did announce something very, very interesting. Uh, you'll be able to port your Flash games and animations out. Uh, you, you'll be able to, to, to save them out as iPhone and iPod Touch apps. Nice. Yeah, so we're going to probably see a lot, of, a lot of the cool Flash games that are kind of like on new grounds and things like that be easily ported over to the iPhone. So I think this is going to... Let's be honest. 
when you when you program, whether it's Objective C, which is what the iPhone uses and Mac uses, or C Sharp, which is what Windows people use, you know, to, to make programs with, or even Flash, it's one of those things you, you become so good at this one language that it's really really hard to switch over. And if you're looking at if you're if you're a kick butt iPhone. I mean, I'm sorry, Kickbutt Flash developer made really cool Flash games online. And you don't have the time or the resources to really learn Objective C and, and, and Coco and, and get all this Xcode stuff over for your iPhone. The fact that you can now port that stuff over to the iPhone through Flash itself, I think we're going to see a whole slew of new developers, a uh, whole slew of new games. Hopefully, not a bunch of, of junk. We probably will see a bunch of junk. But, you know, it's, it's just getting better and better for the app ecosystem. On the iPhone, yeah, that is that is good to hear. I just really wish they they would have the you know just the ability to do Flash right on the phone. But uh, I I do like the fact that this is going to mean because there's a lot there's just a ton of existing Flash based games out there that you know why not throw them on to the iPhone? Yeah, exactly. There, yeah, I've played. There's been a lot of Flash games that I really really like that. I thought, man, why don't they put the, you know bring this over to the iPhone? And some of them have, some of them have come over. Orbitals, uh, a good game that was on Flash, and now it's over to iPhone, and it's a lot of fun. And uh, so, yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm excited. Awesome stuff. So uh, I was looking at MacRumors.com the other day, and or I think this may have actually been emailed to me, and then I was looking at it. I don't have who sent it to me, but anyway, we were talking not too long ago on Family from the Heart about possi- the possibility of um, you know, giving every student a Kindle instead of all these textbooks. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about different things. And so somebody sent this along. Uh, this was from September 30th, 2009. Apple's tablet effort aiming to reduce print media. Uh, or and it's actually in the form of a question. But anyway, it says Gizmodo reports on a number of different tips and tidbits that is received in recent months that together uh, paint a picture of Apple's goals for its myth or much rumored tablet computer building on a report yesterday claiming that the new device will have a focus on translating print media into an electronic form uh, platform gizmodo cites sources claiming that apple has talked to the new york time uh, the new york times and several textbook and magazine publishers about various aspects of moving their content to the digital realm and so one of the other things of course is uh, have you heard of course smart yeah, I did the uh, I did the the iPhone uh, video for Course Smart. So tell us, Chris, what is Course Smart? Course Smart is an e-textbook platform that allows you to buy. Uh, well, actually, it's, you don't even buy them; you rent them. Uh, college text textbooks on your laptop, desktop, or even your iPhone, and no. um, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So let's just put it this way: let's just say you had a a a Amazon Kindle sized um, device that ran, let's say, the Apple iPhone or some so- sort of variation of the iPhone software, and you had this bigger screen with college textbooks on it. How awesome would that be? It would be great. I mean, that that is where I see this thing heading. And I, I totally could see that, you know, schools buy, I mean, textbooks aren't cheap. You know, and, no, and, and no. they get they get tore up and, and all this other stuff. If this was all digital, um, it may be just as expensive um, to go out and buy these Apple devices, Kindle devices, whatever the case may be, to to put in the hands of every student 
And then check this out. Not only that, but let's just say it's got all got wireless, you know, kind of syncing abilities, kind of like Whisper Sync with Amazon Kindle. Uh, you you imagine with that, and all of a sudden, if the publisher notices that there's an error or something wrong, they can update it, you know, it, wirelessly. Yeah, it, and it's it, like this I is amazing cool. stuff. And the only th- the only problem I have with with e textbooks in college and stuff like that is that. When I when I was in school, I wrote a lot of stuff in my books and highlighted a lot of things and put notes and stuff like that. So that's the only thing that kind of makes me and, a little and a little leery. So obviously, the only thing you can do is highlight something on your Kindle right now. But let's just say uh, that if this was really the desire of Apple to do with their tablet, and I would imagine the touchscreen where you could actually write on the screen and it will save that stuff as an overlay on those pages. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. You know, and where you could, you know, kind of like you can add a comment in a spreadsheet, you know, with a little yeah, note. It's gotta be color though, man. You can't yeah. have it. Yeah. It's gotta be color. Yeah. You, you can't, it can't be the e-ink Kindle stuff. Yep. Yep. So that, that's what I'm saying. And that's, that's what I'm foreseeing. I'm actually foreseeing if you can imagine the iPhone only, the size of a Kindle, if not slightly larger, and you know the ability to to the 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 one thing. Let me just say the one thing I don't like about the iPhones multi-touch and blah 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 is I would love to be able to use a stylus on my iPhone. Really? Yeah, I would. I would love mm. to be able to use a stylus because I, back in the day when I had my my handspring you know palm based device. I used to be able to hammer out some some messages very very fast. I could actually I could actually write an email, compose an email faster with what well, the language was called graffiti. I could do an email much faster with graffiti than I can do with the touch typing on the iPhone. There is a stylus out called Pogo. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, the Pogo stylus for the iPhone. And so it'll actually recognize that. Mhm. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. So, because there's a lot of applications there that that will, I mean, there are like notepad replacements where you can actually draw on the notepad. Yeah, Pogo, uh, 101design.com slash stylus.php. Very cool. I'll have to check it. I'll have to look into that because that would be nice. And, of course, so you can just imagine if you could actually take a stylus. uh, Well, of course, the other thing is that the other important thing about a stylus is you need to place, you know, a little slot in your iPhone to... Hold the stylus so it's always with it. It um, comes with a little thing you can clip onto the side of the phone. There you go. See, they're thinking about things here. This is good <laughs> stuff. And it works with the Zoom HD too. Does it? Nice. <laughs> but anyway, I, I I do see that this is a. I think this is a market, and uh, I know we're going to talk about this on Family from the Heart today, probably as well. But somebody said, you know, well, if you break these things, you know. But gosh, the now of course, what are they selling them to the public, right? The the Kindle right now is just dropped in price to what two twenty five, two fifty, two fifty. So it just now and that's selling it to the public. But just, could you imagine an initiative where every student was going to buy one? What would that do to do the do to the cost? I would hope it would lower it. Well, exactly. The big the big part of the cost though is the the service, the actual wireless connection. So, the thing is that the Kindle's only got a six inch screen, man. I don't know if I would. Well, it's got to be a bigger screen than that. Well, that's like, what I'm saying. The Kindle DX or something. Yep. But uh, so so if the Apple device had a bigger screen and was color, 
had the ability to write notes and all this other stuff. And if it had came in such mass quantities and it became affordable to put one in the hands of every student versus buying all the different books that every student needs each and every year. And those books can only make it, you know, they can't be reused, you know, beyond two or three years because the kids tear them up. I see that this could be affordable even if a kid was to break one. Here's the thing, though. We're not going to see a $250 book reader from Apple. Yeah. It's going to be, if and when they ever come out with the tablet, it's going to be $7.99 or $6.99 or $8.99. It's not going to be anywhere near the price it needs to be in order for you know everybody to go buy one. I I I would have to agree with you, but I think it would be awesome if because where did Apple start out? I mean, back when back before Apple's became cool in my mind, they they were all educational. You know, Apple was always in the school. You know, I I, I never personally had an Apple, uh, but everybody in college they you know you went and everybody was using an Apple. If if you had if you were a professor. They had an Apple, you know, everything was Apple this, Apple that in schools. And so I mm-hmm. think if that that is a market, I think that they've kind of, you know, they're they already have a good reputation there. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah, it so, does make sense. So instead of building a consumer grade device for seven ninety nine, why not build something that is functional and, and maybe not as multi purposed as a full blown PC? You know, I don't need to have all the functionality. I don't need to run a bunch of apps on it. You know, just as many apps as I can run on my iPhone, which we obviously know. Well, first of all, just take the iPhone as it is. You don't have to add any more additional functionality except for the fact that you could do a stylus. Just take the iPhone and blow the screen up to, you know, what, 12 inches. Yeah. That that and and what would the cost on something like that be if you sold, you know, uh, you know, fifty million of them? It's still going to be expensive. Yeah, you think A- so? Apple's not in the market of making things cheap so everybody buys it. They're in the, they're in the yeah. business of making a thirty percent margin. That's true. And the only the only reason your iPhone is you know ninety nine one ninety nine or two ninety nine is because AT and T's giving them a nice little kickback. Yeah. Remember, you know, these iPhones were five hundred and six hundred dollars when they came out. Yep. So I, don't think, I think the price is still going to be out, outside the reach of, of consumer overload. Gotcha. I, I agree with you. I, I, I'm just dreaming here is all I'm saying. And, and, and be honest, I, I don't know if I want an Apple tablet. I mean, I'm saying that now. Yeah, you know, you, obviously, when Steve comes out with it, it'll be super awesome. I'll be like, I need to have one. What, what, what do I need to sell to get one? But, you know, I've really wanted a netbook, and I've kind of backed off that. One, because... I don't know. I got cold on it. Two, everything that I really need to do when I'm running around so far has been able to be done with my iPhone. There, there hasn't really for me been a point where, I'm, where it's been like, man, I really need to put that CD into my iPhone to, to access something. No, everything I, I can, I need to do, I can do on my phone. I will tell you, uh, my mom bought a netbook. <laughs> I have no idea why she does this stuff, but she just also bought a netbook. And she she wanted it for her lake house where they have no internet connection and no availability for internet connection. But she bought it so she could use a Verizon uh, little USB dongle down there. And she asked me to install it. And, of course, I needed the driver. I want to just say, you know, it's 
pretty darn frustrating these days to try to install software when the only way they include their software is on a is on a CD. You know, people if if you're going to sell if you have drivers that need to be installed on systems, you need to have a very quick and easy website that people can go to and download it directly to the computer. Yep. That's all I'm saying. I, I agree and that's kind of what's cool about Snow Leopard. Uh not to, you know, say that Mac's more awesome. But it is. Um <laughs> No, uh, I had no drivers uh, installed on my on Mac on on Snow Leopard when I installed it because I didn't want, I just didn't want to put all that. You know, it's it was gigs and gigs of data, so I didn't have any drivers on it. I'm thinking, oh man, I'm gonna have to go to Canon.com and then search for the driver for my printer and this, that, and the other. I plugged my printer into the USB port on the Mac and it said, hey, we have a Canon printer. You want me to go download those drivers from Canon? Yes. Downloaded them and installed them all in one shot. It was awesome. That is very cool. Hey, we have a voicemail from Jeremiah who has a question, and let's see if we can help him out. Cool. Hello, Cliff. Uh, this is uh, Jeremiah. Um, leaving a feedback for uh, help. I got a Mac. I have a question for uh, you guys. Uh, I do have a MacBook Pro, and I had bought um, Final Cut Express. Uh, when I bought my machine and I've had it for about a year now and I really haven't had a chance to really get into it I'm very excited about learning how to use that software But um, as you guys know even though it's only the Express version It still has a lot of things you can do to it and I'm looking for advice on something that really can help me learn the software, but um not be too overwhelming just kind of get to the points um, I'm pretty bright about learning how to work software and usually get to it I just like to have some kind of a quick reference type thing and I don't know if it'd be a book or a video tutorial or something I've you know looked at the stuff they have online and eh, it's not that great um, but I'm just looking for one that uh, some kind of uh, help that's really not too complicated but also really gets to the to the points so if you got any suggestions uh, for Final Cut Express uh, it um, um, help that would be awesome and I look forward to hearing what you guys have to say and enjoy the show and keep up the great work. Thanks. All right, Chris, there you go. He's got Final Cut Express looking for some easy to do, pretty much cut to the point, uh, you know, cut to the chase here. And, and let's uh, find out how to use this program. What do you got for him? You can obviously buy books like, you know, the missing manuals are going to be always thick and big. Uh, there's There was one, it was called... Uh, visually like the visually series but what i recommend doing is get a linda subscription for a month yeah it's like lynda.com you can buy per month you can get you know examples to download and like templates to play with and videos i i learned by watching a video a lot more than i would reading a book and that's what you can do plus there's also materials you can read and stuff but i, I would say linda's probably his best bet there is no question in fact i, I had already Pulled the link and I'm I'm putting it in the show notes so that that we'll be able to have a link directly to the Final Cut courses, Final Cut Express. It says online training and tutorials, uh, training and tutorials for Final Cut Express from Lynda.com. Sign up now to get your unlimited access to all 677 courses in on in the training library. For a taste of what we have uh, offer, take advantage of our free tutorials by clicking below. And uh, they've got three free tutorials you can look at. Final Cut Express 4 Essential Training, Final Cut Express HD 3.5 Essential Training, and you can also check out the Digital Video Principles uh, 
free training. So, and of course, once you become a subscriber there, there's there should be a whole entire software library of all the different functions that you can do there. So, yep. And uh, that's Linda L Y N D A dot com. And by the way, that this is a perfect resource for just about almost any really big software you can imagine out there. Have you ever used them, Linda? Yeah, I used them a, a little bit. My my friend Brian um, loves Linda. Like he actually he's in the chat room as Soulfinger. Um, he he's a big fan of, of Linda dot com. Very cool. Yeah, I, th- I think he I think he uh, he boned up on his um, flash skills. Right. With that. Like he's like a, a digital artist ninja Jedi guy. I mean, the guy does creates magic out of nothing. And uh, you know, it was just another. It never hurts to to sharpen your knives and you know get another tool in your toolkit. Uh, and Linda can help you do that. Yeah, and let me just tell you, there's another wonderful resource out there, my friends, that you need to know about. It's this thing called um, oh, what's the name? Oh yeah, YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. So listen to this. <laughs> Hello there, fellow YouTubers. Um, this is just a uh, basics tutorial about uh, Final Cut Express 4. I found that there were not very many uh, Final Cut Express tutorials. And- now, you can obviously tell by the quality of that that, you know, obviously you're going to get all kinds of different varying uh, degrees of quality uh, when you mm-hmm. go out and you search for the free stuff. But there are a lot of people who love to share what they know about a program that they are very passionate about. And I'm certain that if you go to YouTube or even just do a Google search for Final Cut Express tutorial, you're going to be able to find a ton of free stuff out there as well. But if you want something that's pretty much, you know, more of a higher level quality uh, production that that's going to be pretty consistent throughout teaching you the software, Linda, lynda.com is pretty good as well. Exactly. So I, I, I do. I, YouTube is amazing. They have just about anything you want to know. In fact, I was having, you know, I had been using a, a gas grill pretty much my entire life. And I finally said, you know what? I'm tired of using a gas grill. I want to use charcoal. And I wanted to find out why it is that I could not get my charcoal to stay lit until, you know, until it's ready to cook. And I would douse it, you know, I would douse it with more lighter fluid and it would all smoke up and stuff like that. And this may sound really ridiculous and really stupid, but I went to YouTube and um, uh, I did a search for how to light a charcoal grill. And as it really, yeah. And I basically, I learned that what you do is you put your lighter fluid on, you let it soak for about five or 10 minutes and you light it up and, and it starts flaming up, right? And then all of a sudden, eventually, that all dies down. But guess what? You don't you don't put more fluid on it. It just because it's died down doesn't mean it's not doing anything. The actual coal itself is still very much on fire, and it kind of just works its way through as long as it, it's piled in a pyramid. And if also, if you look, there is a way of doing it where without any lighter fluid, just by um, you putting it in this thing called a flue or a uh, a, a thing in the like uh, just some newspaper underneath it for a few minutes and yeah. boom it goes so oh, you, that's cool youtube videos are a great source as well all right anything else chris that's all i got all right my friends that's pretty much all i have as well so we want to say thank you to jeremiah who called in this week the the phone calls are a little light 
Uh, and if again, we'll say this, this show is here for you for as long as you want us to be here, and we'll talk about what you want to talk about. If you think we talk too much about push notifications and um, the iPhone, then give us some Mac questions. Uh, kind of like Jeremiah did there about software training for Final Cut Express. We're here, again, for you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. we got a listener feedback voicemail hotline, 859-795-4067. And we just want to say quick thank you to all you Plus members out there. You make this show possible. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.